Uh, hello, everyone. Uh, it's good to see you. Man, so many folks here. I, I recognize uh, many of you. I also see there's folks here for the very first time. You're new. I want to say a welcome to you. Thank you so much for allowing us to be a part of your worship experience as you kind of kick off the, the year. For those that are online, I, I know we probably have some folks new there, uh, True Worth Sanctuary. Uh, it's just a pleasure and a privilege uh, to be with you in worship this morning. Uh, if you are new here, uh, very first time, or maybe been here two or three times, we've never met, I will be out in the crossing afterwards. I would love to have a conversation just to meet you for a moment or two, just hear something about you. And, uh, again, we're just grateful that you're here and God, God led you here. Uh, if you need a Bible, uh, raise your hand. We'll bring one to you. If you're new, don't panic. Uh, we're not trying to call you out. But anybody, if you like a Bible, just kind of raise your hand. Uh, they'll bring one to you. If you have your own Bible, you may find it and turn to Exodus, the book of Exodus, uh, front of the Bible, Exodus chapter 12, 13, and 14, where it's going to be starting now. Get your message notes and get ready. Now, before we dive in uh, to this first of our seven-week series we're calling Stronger, I need to share some news. Uh, some of you are aware of this news. Uh, some of you are not. Uh, this will not affect all of you personally, uh, but for some it does. And we don't do this very often uh, because we know every one of you, every week, you have people in your family tree where you have uh, dire situations and accidents and injuries and sickness and all sorts of stuff, and we just can't. But I need to share this because it's kind of a, a church-wide thing. Um, as a part of our worship band, there's a young lady who normally uh, stands right here in place. Uh, she's been doing this for many, many years. She grew up in this church. Her name is Tanner. Uh, Tanner and her, her, uh, her family have experienced a cataclysmic experience. Uh, her daughter, Raven, and Raven's father, Shane, also a member of this church, grandparents are. Uh, she was in an accident yesterday, traumatic head injury. And uh, she's in highly critical condition. And I know there could be some folks at the hospital, their family, even Tanner, who usually is playing uh, right there and leading us in worship. Uh, she's at her seven-year-old daughter's bedside. Uh, just in, it's, it's very bleak. And so I promised them, uh, and for many of you I know who know this family and been around here or the community for a long time, a lot of folks are praying. And so we're going to stop and do the same right here just for a moment. And if there's anybody else in your life, any family members, friends that you know having traumatic things in your life, particularly with children, uh, you know how tender and how painful that is. And I'd invite for you to pray for them as well. Uh, let's pray. Father, we gather into this place to do something we call worship. It was your idea. And it's not for your good, it's for our good. When we come here, we're reminded that you are good, uh, that you are holy, that you are sovereign, that you are omnipresent, you are omniscient, you are on the throne, you are our everything, that you are God, and you are good, you are the creator, you are the sustainer, uh, you are our healer. Uh, you are our salvation. You are our rock. You are our salvation. That if we stand to build our lives, when it feels like, God, our lives and the lives of those we love is crumbling and things are happening, beating against this house we call our lives, 
Father, we can stand upon your word and stand upon you because you are the same yesterday, tomorrow, and today. And you are good. And you can turn evil into good. Uh, you can take pain and suffering as we go through it into good. And so, God, you know the minds and hearts of all those who have assembled here today in their own families, uh, people that they love and care for deeply, who've experienced hard stuff in their life. And, God, you know of the name Raven, a little girl who grew up in this church, has grown up here. She was born here, went to school here, uh, greeted many of us with her smile, even as her mother was rehearsing and preparing uh, in worship, she would climb on the stage, God, to stand next to her mom. She would sneak from her daddy's lap and climb there. Uh, she's in a bad spot, God. And we know you love the children. And we just place her in your care. For healing for her and for the family, according to your grace. And regardless, God, we just know we trust you. And we stand on the truth of who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. If I was to ask you, how do you get your biceps stronger? You say, oh, that's pretty simple, Pastor. I just go to the gym, start doing some curls, they'll get stronger. If the question was, how do you get your chest muscles, your pecs stronger? You go, oh, do push-ups. Uh, do some more bench presses. Change your workout. You'll get stronger. But if I ask you the question, how do you get stronger in your faith? It's a little more difficult response, a little more complicated, isn't it? The answer don't come so quickly. We all know how to get our body stronger. We know. But how do you get stronger in your faith? Now, some of you are thinking, oh, I know, Pastor. Uh, that's why y'all are doing the seven-week challenge. I need to come to church more. Well, the Bible says that's a pretty good idea. I mean, that's straight from Scripture, so yeah, that might be a good thing. Oh, I, I, I need to pray more, maybe. Uh, I'm a strong advocate of that. Uh, prayer is a powerful thing. Oh, I know, Pastor, you're setting us up. I, I know what the answer is. You're going to say, I need to be in my Bible more. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I'm an advocate for that. Uh, you know that. If you call this your church home, I'm just saying 15 minutes every morning. Uh, just, I mean, I just try it. 15 minutes uh, in a chair that you enjoy, a place that you enjoy. Get your favorite drink that you like to have there in the morning and just open up this book. Uh, do your life steps on the back of your message notes. They're there every single week. You can find them online on the app if, you, if you're not here. They're there. And just spend 15 minutes, and instead of you just reading the text, let the text read you. There's a difference, you know. Write down anything that God may have shared with you about you and your life that day, and then go do it. And I would say all of these activities, uh, they're going to bring muscles to our faith. And you might get a little stronger. But if this is all that's necessary to have a strong faith, 
I have a question. Why do so many people who call Pathway home, how do so many Pathway peeps who worship week after week after week after week after week after week regularly, uh, read their Bible and pray frequently, why do so many of us walk around in what I want to call suffering from spiritual weakness? Hey, this question has tormented me uh, for much of my spiritual life. If the God that I love and serve possesses this unlimited power and might and strength, and there's dozens of verses in this Bible which promises that he will infuse that strength into you and me, why do I walk around so many days feeling weak in my faith? God, why do I fall into the same temptation? Anybody like me? Not just once, not just twice, but the same temptation over and over and over again. Why? Am I so risk-adverse and I'm so cautious and timid when you ask me to do something? Why? If only I was a little bit stronger. Now, several years ago, God uh, revealed something to me that reframed this whole issue in a different light. And I'm going to share as much as I can with you this morning as we kind of launched this new series called Stronger uh, but to do that means that we've got to do a little field trip through some of the, what I'm going to call the sticky pages of Scripture. And we're going to start our field trip back in Exodus 12, 13, and 14 with Israel in Egypt. And they're in bondage, and this is right after the 10th plague where uh, Pharaoh, has the angel of death, has come. And he said, hey, listen, <laughs> Moses, uh, it's time for you and the Israelites to get out of here. Just leave, would you? Uh, get those people and go. And so you read the text where Moses, okay, uh, he lines his people up, and they start marching in the general direction of the promised land. Uh, go read the story. Shortly thereafter, Pharaoh goes, what have I done? I just let go all of our cheap labor. Uh, our economy is going to dive into a recession. Uh, they're going to blame it on me. Uh, that's, I'm going to lose my power. I, well, what have I just done? He calls out the National Guard and says, go get those Israelites and bring them back. we got to protect our economy. And so the National Guard goes out. Uh, they quickly catch up to the slow migrating pace of the Israelites. They're, they're so slow. And so they catch up with them. And the Israelites go, whoa, they come awaken. Oh, they're aware of what's happening. And they look to the front, and they see this uncrossable Red Sea. They look to the back. They see this approaching, fast-approaching army that's going to do harm to them. And they panic, wouldn't you? They go, ah! And they cry out to Moses. And the Scriptures say this is Moses' response over here in chapter 14, somewhere around 13, 14, and 15. He says, hey, guys, uh, do not be afraid. Uh, God has promised he's going to effuse, apply his power to our situation. 
He's just ordering us, keep on marching, keep on stepping toward the uncrossable Red Sea. And God says, I'm going to intervene somewhere between here and there. Now, let's stop right there. Listen to that again. God says, uh, you keep walking toward the uncrossable Red Sea. And I'm going to intervene somewhere between here and there. Uh, what are you going to do? What's your response? Uh, God says, I have something I need you to do. There's a place I've called you to go. And if you will keep walking even toward the water's edge, the uncrossable waters that you think are impossible to cross, if you keep walking somewhere along the way, I'm going to intervene. In your notes, number one, God promises power along the way. See, here's the problem. You and I want power on the front end. We want strength before we have the altercation, before we have the conflict, before we have the choppy waters. We want to receive the power before we get to the water's edge. And God says, I'm going to give you power. I'm going to give you strength. But you got to start walking first. Now, some of you know the story. You've read this many times. The Israelites, they step into the water. They just kind of get in the edge. Uh, Moses parts his hands like this. Uh, God, through his power and his staff, he parts the water. They start walking across on dry land. The Egyptians' army ride on their tail. Uh, they get on the other side, and the Egyptians are in the middle. God releases his grip on the water, and the Israelites take a swim. And they didn't know how to swim. <laughs> Bad ending for them. Power along the way. For the Israelites. Turn over to Joshua chapter 3. Another little stop on our field trip. Very similar situation. Uh, the Israelites have been wandering around uh, in the wilderness now for some 40 years. Uh, somewhere around in the Sinai Peninsula. Just walking in a circle. A whole generation of walking. Uh, just in a circle. Uh, going really nowhere at this time in their life. And God finally says to Joshua. Hey Joshua. It's time. It's time to go over into the promised land. Uh, line them up. So they get all lined up to go into Canaan. Here's the problem. Uh, there's a river called the, the Jordan River they got across. It's uncrossable. Read the scripture. It's at flood stage. The water's rising. The rapids are swirling. There's no bridge. There's no boat. There's no ferry. And God says, no problem. If you'll just get the Ark of the Covenant, put it in the priest's hand, put them at the front of the line. And if you'll walk into the water. Now, time out. All the men in the house. All the leaders of households. Uh, you got your whole family tree there. Your whole family tree. Grandparents, kids, aunts and uncles, they're all there with you. And you know, if they step into those rapids, they won't live. Current's too powerful. You're fifth in line. What are you thinking? 
What are you feeling? You're going, this is insane. This is madness. Who would do such a thing? What, what am I going to do? What happens in the story? Very last verse of the chapter, chapter 3. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, they stopped in the middle of the Jordan, and they stood on dry ground. Because as soon as they got ankle deep in the water, God parted the water, and they went through into the promised land because God gave them power along the way. But they had to start walking. John chapter 2. Jesus is at a wedding. His very first miracle he's going to perform. Uh, in the Jewish time, they ran out of wine at this wedding. That was very embarrassing. It was humiliating. you got to know the culture. Humiliating to run out of wine. John chapter 2. So Jesus sees what's going on. Uh, he winds up turning after his mother spoke to him. And there's six stone jars there. And he says, hey, servants, there's some few servants right there. Uh, go take these jars uh, to the water tap. Fill them up with tap water. And they said, okay. So they did it. Get a pitcher, fill a pitcher up, and take it to the wine taster, a head wine taster, and have them taste the water, taste what's in the pitcher. And if you're a servant, you're going, uh, I know what they're going to say. Uh, that's tap water. Unless you saw the gleam in Jesus' eye when he told them, walk from the tap to the wine taster. Because Jesus knew he was going to give power along the way. So they did it. And read the story. The wine tasters taste the wine and goes, this is the best wine ever. Nobody serves this kind of wine after everybody's blitzed. They do it on the front end. What happened? Power along the way. One more, Luke chapter 17. In Luke chapter 17, down in verse 11, uh, we see these lepers. There's 10 of them. Uh, they're outcasts. They've been put aside, and they see Jesus coming over the hill. And they go, hey, there comes the miracle worker. He is so full of power. Whew, he's got a divine power. I wonder if Jesus does lepers. I wonder if he would do something for us. And somebody says, oh, hey, why don't you ask him? Hey, listen, I agree, let's ask him. And so they ask right here in verse, uh, verse 13. It says, they called out in a loud voice because they had to stay away from him. They said, Jesus, Master, have pity on us, have mercy on us. Would you please release your power on our disease? Oh, we really could use some power right now. And I love Jesus' response. Uh, when he saw them, he said, go show yourself to the priests. In other words, uh, go show yourself to the health department. You see, the priests, they were the health department. Uh, they were the ones who told you, oh, yeah, you're healed, certifiable, boop, you're healed. Now you can go live out there among everybody. Uh, you're not arrested. The priest was to do that. And if I'm a leper, you know what I'm saying? I'm saying, why would I go down into the city, embarrass myself, 
go find the priest for him to tell me what I already know. I'm a leper. Hey, Jesus, if you want me to go to the priest, you got to heal me first. I want a display of your power on the front end. Then I'll go to the priest. And I can picture Jesus saying, hey, listen, guys, it's not how it works. Uh, no walking, no power. And I kind of imagine one of them going, you know what? Hey, what do we have to lose, guys? I mean, think of it. What do we have to lose? What's the worst thing that could happen? And what if Jesus is just trying to see if we trust him? That he will do what he says he's going to do. You know what? I'm going. Y'all can stay here. I'm going. And look what happens next in that verse, verse 14. As they went... As they started walking, as they were in motion, they were cleansed. Hey, Scripture is very clear. This cannot be disputed. God promises to infuse his strength and his power into the everyday challenges of our life. He's more than willing to do so, provided we are willing to start walking and start moving in the direction he has asked us to go. In your notes, number two, my faith will get stronger when I walk in obedience in the general direction that God has asked me to go. Uh, that is clear in the teaching of God's Word. Now, church, I have found this to be true in my life in multiple ways. Uh, i just share one little way. It's the most recent one in my life. Uh, this past summer, I had a moment in my life where uh, I'm, I'm, I'm before our session elders, the called-out overseer leaders of the church, and our ch church executive leadership team, the staff that I get to work with, almost feel like I was going to throw up in front of them and pass out and faint and just nauseous. It was such a sickening. I felt spiritually weak, okay? Now, well, what happened to make that happen, Pastor? Well, some of you call this your church home. You know, last year uh, we had this now one more thing. And we kind of came to the conclusion that God was leading us uh, to have a million and one aha moments of just really touching a million and one people somehow. They would experience a home to God's love and grace. And that would mean uh, reclaiming this ark for our students. Uh, because our, our church, we have so many students, and we've kind of rooted them out of this building the way it really needs to be. And so we say, yeah, we've got to do that. And that means getting all the worship services out and building a new worship space behind us right here on this piece of grass right on the other side of this wall. And so we said, yeah, we're, we we got to do that. And we all agreed. And, and the session came before the whole uh, strategy and plan, our leadership team. We brought in a consultant, and that meant, you know, a lot, expensive money, lots of stuff and everything. And they're talking about the history of this church with this kind of endeavor. And in case you didn't know, the history of this church is not good with this endeavor. Uh, we have not always met the mark. It's been a very painful experience and miserable experience for people, and we never really got to where we needed to go and commitments and so forth and so on. And I knew why. I knew exactly why. Uh, they got to a point in the conversation of uh, what was going to take for this to be successful, to be different, and they laid out all the strategy and plan. And then the leaders looked straight at me from Oxano and said, uh, Pastor, you do know uh, you got to do the heavy lifting. you got to get this right. 
I about threw up. I got nauseous and almost wanted to just, because I know me. I hate financial campaigns. I'm terrible at them. I'm awful at them. I, and they, they, they told me not to tell you all this. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, but it's just true. God has given me the spiritual gift of evangelism. Talking to people who are far from God is easy for me. I love doing that. I just really enjoy talking to people who are far from God and having conversations about faith and life. And I love doing that. Uh, God has given me the gift of leadership. Uh, leadership things are pretty easy for me for the most part. I just kind of, I just kind of, kind of fall into it. And yeah, I can see us do need to do this. And God has given me the gift of teaching, but that's kind of my third gift. It's not really my strongest gift. Uh, some of you may be surprised that you don't realize how hard I have to work behind the scenes uh, when you're sleeping and napping and getting up in the morning, and I'm just sweating bullets and going, oh, what are we going to do? Okay. I mean, I have to really work really, 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 really hard to have anything to say of anything. And so I, in my, when it comes to financial campaigns, I'm on the bottom of the totem pole. I'm not gifted in that area at all. So I knew it was going to be a failure, and it was going to be my fault. That's the, <laughs> and I felt the Holy Spirit say, uh, Rick, you've got to trust the elders and the staff, the leadership that I have put in positions of serving authority. And their discernment that they love the church, they love you, you've got to trust them. And you've got to trust me and step out in faith. And you start walking in the direction I've called you and the church to go. That I'm going to expand your capacity beyond what you can do on your own. And I'm going to do something to make you and your church stronger. And I thought, that gummit, I know that's true. Is there anybody like me that you know stuff is true, you're spiritually weak, and the Spirit reminds you, you go, I knew that. But we just forget. We want power on the front end. We want power before we do it. And God says, you got to start walking in the direction I want you to go. Then I'll make you stronger. So I just started putting one foot in front of the other. And I will tell you, I had a first row look of God's power being poured out during that six, seven weeks of now one more. And Paul, my life, uh, it was just incredible. I, I could just, I, I wish I could share all this experience with you. I can't. But I will tell you, on the very final week, on Monday morning, I woke up the very final week of that now one more. Uh, where you were getting a weekend, you were getting ready to come bring all your commitments and everything. Some of you call this your church home. You know exactly what I'm talking about. I woke up on Monday morning, open screen and Bible, and I had nothing. And at the end of the day, there was still nothing. I woke up Tuesday, open Bible, open screen. At the end of the day, I had nothing. Nothing. And Wednesdays are deadline days around here, Wednesday noon. If you're a teacher here... When you teach, you got to have your script, you got to have your outline, you got to have your sermon notes, everything, life steps in by 12 noon. I woke up Wednesday morning exhausted, nothing. You know the pressure 
of when you got to get up to speak and share and you got nothing. And I woke up on that Wednesday morning. I sat in my time and had my prayer time with God, just my regular, did my life step like many of you. And then I went into my office and opened up my Bible, turned on my computer screen, got my little pad, and the idea started suddenly coming so fast. So fast. I couldn't write them all down. I couldn't top them all. They were just coming, 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 coming. Sentences started crystallizing and phrases and thoughts just coming together. I had to cut back instead of add to. It was so much. And it was an infusion of God's strength in a way I had not experienced in a while. Church, I'm here to testify firsthand that when you step out in the direction that God has asked you to go, he will show up and give you the strength. And my faith is stronger today than it was beforehand because of that experience. And it can happen to you too. It can. And if you're wondering, those who call Pathway Home now one more, uh, just a little quick little side advertisement update. Uh, it's a miraculous uh, we are over the $5.5 million in pledges, and they said we probably would not even get above five. Yeah. And you've already given 20% of it. We're breaking ground in July. We'll be in that thing in a little over a year. It's going to be incredible. And this ark's going to be for all of our students. Yeah. Power along the way. Power along the way. Power along the way. And we're stronger because of that experience. I think you would agree. We're a stronger church body because of that experience. Now, in the time we have left... Uh, I'm just warning you. I'm going to help you apply this to your own life a little bit. So we're going to see what happens here. Uh, some of you here in 2020, you have some difficult decisions to make. Uh, you knew when the end of the year came, when the holidays were over, you had to step up and make the call about something. You had to make the decision. Well, you're sitting around waiting for some bolt of lightning to come out of nowhere and hit you on the couch and to give you the necessary horsepower to do what you know you need to do. Has it happened yet? Had the heaven opened while you're sitting on your couch and just giving you the fire? to make the decision you know you need to make. Has that happened? Uh, some of you, somebody here, I know this is true, need to end the relationship in 2020. It's toxic. It's destructive. It's dysfunctional. It's killing you. As the holidays approached, this little voice in your head was talking to you. Yeah, uh, this, is, this is killing me. God was saying, you've got to get out of it. You know it. The people who know you know it. And here you are, and you're going, you know what? I didn't want to do it at Christmas. I'll, I'll, I'll wait till the new year. And now it's the new year, you're going, if I was only 20% stronger, then I could do it. I just can't do it if I was only stronger. So here you sit. Some of you need to change a dysfunctional relationship with food or alcohol.
that little voice throughout the holidays has been talking to you, has been telling you, hey, listen, you've crossed the line. It's out of control. You know it is. If you don't do something soon, the consequences are going to be tragic. And you say, if I was just 20% stronger, then I could do something. Some of you started 2020 with this dysfunctional relationship with money. You're angry at yourself. You're frustrated. You have all this guilt and shame because you just continue the same old cycle. And you promised on a stack of Bibles in 2019 you were going to get it fixed. And here you sit. In fact, it's worse. Because over the Christmas holidays, uh, you went off the reservation again financially. And you know if I was only a little stronger, then I would do something and get it fixed. Uh, some of you have a career decision to make. You saw 2020 coming. You knew there was something you needed to do for the advancing, for the changing of your career path. And you know what you need to do. You know. But if only I was 20% stronger, then some of you have a marriage that's going to end in 2020 if you don't do something about it soon. And you're just sitting around waiting for a miracle to pop out of nowhere and to make everything okay. And I don't want to burst your bubble. But I don't think that bolt of lightning is going to come and strike you while you're sitting on the couch and give you the power to do. Here's what I think. If you keep sitting around complaining and whining and witching and moaning and blaming on everybody else, I think in 2020 it's going to get worse instead of better. That's what I think. I'm not trying to be cavalier. I'm not all uppity about this matter. It's taken me a long time to get to where I am in some of the places I, I, I confess. I'm speaking from my own personal failures. I have lots of them. And what God has been teaching very clearly in Scripture. But I am asking you, I am almost begging some of you to change your plan. From sitting on the couch, just waiting for God to do something planned, to get up and start walking in the direction you know God has asked you to go plan. And he'll give you power along the way, but you've got to get walking. Hey, I know this is true. The Bible says so. I've experienced it. People sitting around you experience You can experience it too, but you've got to get off dead center and stop sitting there. Start walking. 
uh, in the crossing, I have lots of visits with people. I enjoy visiting with you after worship. And there was this one particular woman who stopped me uh, week after week after week. She's single, uh, living with a guy. She kept hoping he was going to ask her uh, to marry him. Uh, he never did. He was abusing her. He kept promised uh, that he would stop, and he never did. Uh, she kept promising she would leave, and she never could. And she kept on stopping, telling me the same old story. And I guess one weekend, uh, I was either in a bad place or maybe it was the right place. I don't know. But she said something to me, and I just finally said, okay, uh, my dear sister in Christ. And I put my hands up on her shoulder, looked her in the eyeballs, and I said, tell me, do you want to keep in 2020, keep on telling me, uh, keep on telling me the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over again? Do you want to keep telling me the exact same thing? Or do you really want to solve this thing? She said, I, I want to solve it. I said, do you really? Yes, I want to solve it. Here's what I want you to do. Uh, when we finish this conversation, I want you to walk straight to your car. Turn on the ignition. Put your hands on the steering wheel and pray that God gives you the strength to drive to his driveway. Don't go shopping. Don't stop for lunch. Go straight to his house. I think God will give you power to get there. Once you get to the driveway, you stop. Turn off the car. God, give me the strength to walk straight into that closet. Then you get out of the car and you start walking, and I believe that God will give you the power to walk straight to the closet. Don't stop at the refrigerator. Don't turn on any music. Don't take a picture on Instagram and post it and ask people to pray for you. <laughs> I have to say that. <laughs> I have to say that. For some of you, I have to say that. <laughs> Don't talk to him if he's there. Just go straight to the closet. And when you get to the closet, pray, God, give me the power to pack as quick as I can. And then, God, give me the power to walk straight back to my car. And when you get in the car, God, give me the power to drive to my parents' house. Because their parents were scared to death. And they would welcome her with open arms. I said, can you do that? She said, I'll try. And she tried. And God gave her the power to go to the parking lot, to his driveway, to the closet, back to her car, and to her parents' house. And she ended that relationship. And when I see her, I just kind of smile, and she smiles back because we both know that God gave her power along the way. But she had to get into motion. She had to stop sifting there. Is there anybody here who's in a toxic, destructive, dysfunctional relationship of any kind in your life? I believe you walked out of this worship time and you went to your car and you got in it and you prayed for God to give you the strength to head and the direction you needed to, that God would do it. God would do it. Now, I don't know all the decisions that need to be made in this room. I'm sure there are many. I can't even cover them all. Uh, but you know there's stuff you need to stop, some of you. You know you need to stop it. 
There's some stuff you need to start. You know you need to start it. There's some stuff you need to fix. You know you need to fix it. And I'm just telling you, if all you're just sitting around waiting for a You're going to be sitting for a long time unless you get off your rhinoceros and start walking in the direction that God has called you to go. Some of you, you need to get in the car and drive in the general direction of a fitness center. (laughs) And I think if you started heading that direction, God would give you the power to get there. And once you get there, you pray for God to give you the strength to go in and sign on the dotted line of the contract. I believe God will give you the power to come back three days a week. And at the end of 2020, you'll be a new creation. And you'll be honoring God with your body. Some of you need to get back in your car this afternoon and drive back up here to your church tonight and get in the parking lot and then pray, God, give me the power to walk into that recovery class, that grief class, that divorce recovery, that men's recovery, that women's recovery, that new Bible study class, that new thing. God, I will promise you this. If you sit at home tonight on your couch because you want to watch the professional playoff football game, uh, you're not going to get any power while you're watching that game. No healing. DVR it if you have to. Get up off the couch and drive to the church. See the opportunities and go to one of these classes and ask God to give you the power to take step after step till you get into that room. And when you get there, you know what's going to happen? They're going to wrap their arms around you and say, we're so glad you're here. Check out all the offerings. There's something there for you. For some of you, you need healing recovery. You need to learn and grow. They're going to say, let's do this together. And God, will, you'll be stronger. Some of you, when the dish come with money, uh, you've been doing the money thing year after year after year after year, and you're so messed up. I've been around here long enough to see families pass it down to their kids, the dysfunctional relationship with money, and you're in money hell, and you stay there. I would ask you, please, if not for your kids, for your children and your grandchildren, get it fixed and stop passing it down to the next generation. Get up off the couch, enlist in one of these classes, and experience the healing that can come, and your faith will be stronger. Anybody getting the point? Let's close with this. In Matthew chapter 26, Jesus is going to the cross And he is uh, about to experience suffering like no other. And in Matthew chapter 26, he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. And what you need to know about Jesus, if you don't know, he was fully God. That meant that he knew everything. Uh, He knew what was about to come. Uh, He knew that Judas was about to betray him. He knew he was going to be falsely arrested. He knew he was going to be torture and nails and the crown of thorns and, and mocking and spitting and, and suffering. He knew there was going to be a cross. Fully God, he knew that was coming. He was also fully human. That meant he was dreading it. You would too. He was dreading it so much. The scripture says in Matthew 26, 
He was so sorrowful. He was so troubled. He said, my soul is overwhelmed to the point of death. And he goes to his knees and he prays, God, my father, if it's, if it's possible, could you please change the plan? <laughs> I'm not feeling very strong today, God. Could you change the plan? Could you take the cup away from me? Jesus wasn't feeling very strong that day. I don't think I would be either. But you know what he did? Read the story. He prays. He gets off his feet. And he starts walking step by step in the general direction that God had asked him to go. Step by step, he falls into the arm of Judas, his betrayer, one of his friends. He betrays him. And then for the next 18 hours... God gives him just enough strength with each step until he got to the very end. And God gave him enough strength, strength to say these words, it is finished. The price for human sin has been paid once and for all. And he did it because God gave him power with each step because he walked in the direction that God had asked him to go. What do you need to start in 2020? What do you need to stop in 2020? You know what it is. What do you need to fix You know what it is. Here's what I'm asking. I'm asking you to just take a step in the direction you know God wants you to go. Just start walking, whatever it is, because I believe you will experience power along the way, and you'll be stronger. You stand.
Put your trust in him this morning. Savior. Give you strength. we declare that we are your children we are your sons and daughters and we know you have what is best in mind for each of us uh, you have a vision for 2020 for our lives and it's not to stay where we are uh, there's a promised land uh, there is a hope and we pray God that you would set all of our feet into motion God that when people walk out these doors today that they will move toward what you have called them to do and along the way, God, that you will show up and give them the power and the strength. And together, God, our faith will be stronger because of what you have done in our midst. And all God's people said, amen, amen, and amen. I love you, church family. I love you.